Last year, uh, I went out to dinner with a group of people from here, actually, to uh, an Italian restaurant in Red Cliff called The Rustic Olive. Who knows this particular restaurant? How good is it? Yeah, the Italians think it's real good. <laughs> it's the third time I've been to this particular restaurant, and um, you know, I thought the first two experiences were pretty good. This time around, um, I ordered this dish. It was one of the most basic Italian dishes that you can have. It's, uh, oh, look, I'm going to try to say the name. It's penne polpette. How was how that, Gloria? Is that close? Yeah. It sounds fancy, but basically it's pork and veal meatballs in Neapolitan sauce with penne pasta. Now, I've had a lot of meatballs in my time, but I've got to tell you, these meatballs are the most amazing meatballs that I have ever had. And Shelley will tell you, sometimes I sit there thinking, we've got to get back, and I, want, I just want to have that dish again. <laughs> Even though there's like another 30 items on that menu, that's all I want. And that, since that experience, I feel like I'm a changed man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can't help. Yeah. I do not expect Shelley to have to cook those meatballs, by the way. If anyone was going to do it, it'd be me anyway. <laughs> hey, I speak truth in this pulpit. <laughs> I love you, darling. Yeah, I know. Okay, stop digging. Here's what I want you to know. I'm a believer <laughs> in this restaurant now. I'm, I'm converted. And, and so... Sometimes you have experiences like this in your life. Of course, the big one is when you, um, you become a follower of Jesus, and you just can't help but share it. And there was another moment recently that happened to me in another area of my life. It, it, it probably isn't um, as exciting as the... Oh, sorry, actually, it was exciting, but it wasn't um, as sudden a conversion as the, um, the Italian meatballs experience. And, and I had a conversion in this area of my life to do with, with uh, finances and giving. And, you know, this is that moment where the whole church goes, oh, <laughs> a sermon on money and giving. Well, you know, I don't speak about it that often. But I've had some victories in letting go, being more content, and most importantly, trusting God's plan and his principles of generosity and of blessings. And I've just found them to be real. God is really helping me with this. You know, I had, uh, because I, it's probably an area that I didn't look into too much. And the reason for it is this, is there's a lot of teaching in the Christian world that I just quite frankly don't like when it comes to this area. You know, you, you've heard the term prosperity doctrine, right? I don't like it. It turns me off. And so what I do, though, the problem with this is I run away from any teaching when it comes to money. And yet Jesus talked about money all the time throughout the Bible, as did Paul and others. Anyway, I was thinking about this, and uh, I had three pastors point me in exactly the same direction, all within a 12-month period. And I thought, well, this probably means something. The first time was when I was in Indiana for two weeks back in 2017, and the senior pastor there, a man who I respect a lot, he said, you've got to read this book by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. And he said that... Uh, he had not only applied this teaching to his own personal life, but he taught it to his church. And then last year, I was talking to Pastor Joel Heron up at Axis Church, that's a Wesleyan church up in North Lakes, and out of the blue, he mentioned the same book 
which he had found to be very beneficial. And then Pastor Rob Simpson said the same thing only a few weeks later. I thought, well, maybe God's trying to tell me something here. I need to learn something. So um, I went and, uh, and bought The Blessed Life and uh, read it through. And, uh, and, it, and it, I guess you could say there was a conversion experience that started to happen in me. Like I said, I'm a firm believer that the prosperity teaching that is so prevalent is flat out wrong. It's misleading. It's manipulative. And sometimes it seems to be a way for uh, rich church leaders to get richer. That's just what I, I think. I, I feel like I've seen that. And I would never preach along those lines because the scriptures are very clear. And I would never, I've never heard those words from Jesus' mouth himself. There's no biblical basis for giving more in order to get more. Okay? Can I just say that again? There's no biblical basis for giving more for, uh, for, us, for the purpose for us to get. There is, however, a biblical basis to give more in order to be able to give more. Can you hear that difference? There is a basis to be generous because our God was generous first and yet that disdain for prosperity preaching has closed my minds i think to, to some other teaching i've just stayed away from it i don't need to hear it that's what i thought and yet i did need to hear some things so i'm going to say from the outset that these next two sermons they're going to take a lot i'm just going to confess it to you they're going to take a lot straight from this book called the blessed life by robert morris in fact, I think what we'll do is uh, we might get some of these and you'll be able to purchase them from next week if you're interested in it. I guess you can judge based on this sermon today whether you think that's something you'd like to do, right? But I do want to recommend it to you. Here's the thing I want you to know. I find this to be very balanced teaching, but I don't agree with everything that Robert Morris actually says. And guess what? That's okay. You shouldn't, that shouldn't stop you from reading his book or... Um, doing a similar study through the word on how God would challenge you on giving because my, my thinking was challenged and I found it very helpful. You know, a good pastor friend of mine says, it's okay, Nathan, to chew on the meat and spit out the gristle. Do you know what I mean by that? Because sometimes you see the gristle and you stay away from the benefits of the meat there. My apologies to the vegetarians here. <laughs> but I'm sure you know what I mean. Now, one last quick thing is um, these two messages that I'm going to bring to you uh, will be interrupted by a guest speaker next Sunday. Um, we're having a, a guest speaker from America. His name's Robert Hilson. You may remember Mike Hilson spoke here last year. Who remembers that? You can't forget his preaching, can you? Well, his son's going to be here next Sunday, and then the following Sunday I'll bring you part two of this particular message. Clear as mud for everybody? Let's open the word today. We're in Matthew 6:24. It'll be on the screen behind me, or you can follow along in your Bibles, even if it is the electronic version, I don't mind. Here we go, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Stop right there. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The words of Jesus. Now, it sounds about right. Does everyone agree? 
Good, because Jesus said it. I'm glad you, you just kind of went, hmm. Was that a trick question? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Does it sound about right? Well, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to read that same verse in the New King James Version. I know, you're shocked. Now, look, I'm a big fan of the NLT. You all know that. I preach off from it every single Sunday. I use it for my own personal devotions. Um, but in this particular uh, verse, I feel like uh, one of the words, um, they translated it well, but the New King James Version, or the King James Version, kept the original, which has uh, a meaning that I think is deeper than what the NLT said. So let me just read that to you. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So there's the word. Mammon. Who's heard of that word before? Not manna, mammon. Very different things. They kept that word there because I think they decided, I'm only presuming, that it was actually hard to kind of translate. NLT said enslaved to money. It's really close. According to some uh, Bible dictionaries, mammon translate better probably as riches. Or more specifically, it's, it's the desire for riches. Okay, do you see the, the difference there? Mammon has a foundation in the Aramaic language and they think it probably originated in Babylonia. In Babylonia, you may know, know this already, they, they said, well, we don't need God or any God. They would be self-sufficient, I guess God, they would be God in, the, in that sense. They'd work out a life based on their own wisdom. Kind of sounds like our modern culture a little bit. They didn't want God. And it's from that culture that comes the spirit of mammon. The thing that ruled their hearts was a false god of riches. So do you get a sense of what mammon is? The spirit of mammon tells you to put your trust in money and riches and things. The spirit of mammon makes wealth your god. And for some reason lately, probably because of, um, like, middle-aged guy and, and YouTube is good at targeting ads at people. Every time I go to a YouTube ad, at the start of every video, this dude appears standing on a beach with this um, beautiful background, um, very well-dressed, telling me how I can make lots of money in my sleep. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else <laughs> has seen this ad. I'm just scanning around here. Okay, just me, one other, <laughs> two others. <laughs> oh, I don't know why they pick them on me then. But you know, it's, this, it's very enticing. What a great life you could have. We've got a way to help you to do that. And you'll be on the beach all the time. And life's going to be so good, it's so enticing. We know there's nothing wrong with working hard and earning money, right? We know that. There's nothing wrong with earning a lot of money even, but it's this spirit of mammon that can live in us, and it's dangerous. This dreamy desire to be rich and how it will solve all our problems is mammon. The problem is that you can feel in your heart a really strong pull. You know, it can be a hunger, can't it? It can be a desire. And according to Jesus, and he's black and white on this, we just read the words, that desire and hunger for riches, it's dangerous for you. Because it becomes your God in no time at all. And it'll lead you down paths away from God, and, and that's a trap. 
It's mammon right there. In fact, Jesus has some harsh words to say about it when we read that verse slowly. Jim Carrey said, I think everyone should get rich and famous to do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. I think he's right. I'm going to take Jim Carrey's advice on this one. Just that point, though. So what's the first and most important step to a blessed life, which is the title of this series? It's this. You've got to break the rulership of mammon. It's got to be gone from your life. Jesus is warning us. It's possible for riches, or more specifically, the, I guess the desire for riches, I hope you're seeing the difference, to be your God. It's not only possible, it's easy. It's really easy. And if that happens, we're no better than the Babylonians. We may say the right things and have the appearance of doing the right things, but if Jesus is correct, we assume he is, there's no place in our heart for the rulership of God and the rulership of mammon. Those two just don't work together. The desire for riches doesn't work with the desire for God. It's one or the other. So let me again make sure you're hearing me. Wealth is no sin. Money is not sinful. But only wealth that is surrendered to God, if you're a follower of God, only wealth that's surrendered to him can be blessed by God. And a wealth that is surrendered to God is used primarily for his desires and not ours. And by the way, you don't have to be rich to be ruled by riches. So if you're sitting there thinking, I'm glad he's preaching this sermon for rich people, I'm not. I am preaching this sermon to everybody here today. Every single one of us, no matter what your financial situation, anyone can be under this spirit of mammon. Do you know how you know if maybe that's something that's um, in your heart? That's you? It's when you see riches or money or possessions as your saviour. Now, just think about that for a second. We might say something like this. If only I had more, all my problems would be solved. If only I could win the lotto, my life would be perfect. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but be honest. Have you ever sat there and worked out how much the $10 million really is and what you can do with that? okay. If only I had a nicer car or a nicer house or that bigger TV or that latest phone, I'd be satisfied. Now, he here is satisfied because, again, none of those things I just said are wrong, all right? I'm not putting guilt on you today for having a house and a car and a phone. But when we sit there thinking, this, these things will save me, when they will satisfy something in me, you're in danger of that spirit of mammon. You know, even Shelley and I were on the hunt for a, a replacement car for her, even this week. And, you know, there's times where you see a nice car and you've got to just check yourself a little bit here. What's the desire in my heart? I think that would be a measure for us to consider. If the excitement or thrill of money and possessions outweighs Jesus and the excitement of his kingdom, it's time to break the rule of mammon in your life. The next way to know you're under the spirit of mammon is this, it has become your source of power and influence. I, th I think I may have forgotten to give these um, points to you guys, so I do apologize for that. The next way to know is if it has become your source of power and influence. So let me just say in Australia, even if it doesn't feel like it, we are wealthy comparatively, 
to the rest of the world. And that seems to give us a, a bigger platform on the world stage. The more wealthy the nation, the more power and influence they have. We have this thing called a G20. To get into the G20, you've got to be in the top 20 economies. You've got to be wealthy. And they meet without all the other poorer nations. Now, maybe that's okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But it does tell you something because with uh, money comes power and influence. And the same thing is for us. It's an important lesson for us as Jesus followers. If the desire for riches is to enhance our power and influence, you know, to give us a seat at the table somewhere, then that might be the spirit of mammon. Now, you've got to remember, I'm going to keep telling you all the way through, I'm talking about the desire. You can have power and influence without the spirit of mammon, okay? I hope you're hearing me clearly. I hope you're not feeling guilt for something that I'm not meaning for you to feel guilty on. But today we're looking at what rules us. Is it God or is it riches? You know, Mammon promises so much and delivers so little and we spend so much of our life being ruled by it. We don't seem to learn sometimes. It doesn't deliver that much to us. It's not only a waste of time, but it undermines any chance of God's blessing, in my opinion. And by blessings, I don't mean money, although he provides and takes care of our financial needs, especially when we are giving according to his principles. And I also wholeheartedly believe he blesses financially in order for us to be a financial blessing to others. Okay? And I've taught that here before. I hope you heard it. That was maybe a year and a half ago. The more God gives you, the more he expects you to give away. The more you give away, the more he gives you so that you can give it away. Mammon, on the other hand, promises so much and we want to hold it all for ourselves. It promises so much and it delivers so little. It's always full of disappointments because if money is all you have, then you're, you're really alone. A couple of years back, who remembers the, the movie Noah that came out with Russell Crowe? A couple people. Now, not a bad movie, I guess, although not very accurate, quite frankly. <laughs> Typical of Hollywood. But there's this moment in this movie uh, where it's close to um, the end, when the rains are going to come, and uh, the, the ark is built, and Noah is standing there, and his family's behind him, and all these people arrive, right? And there's a, a leader of these guys that comes out, and he confronts Noah, and with a threatening voice, he said, no one is with you. And without hesitation, Noah replied, very simply, he said, God is with me. Well, if I was Russell Crowe, it would be, God is with me. <laughs> was that close? <laughs> Here's the thing. If money is your king, you're alone. If Jesus is your king, you're not alone. He's with you. And that's where the satisfaction comes from, because you can trust him. You can trust him. You don't have to trust the stuff and the riches. You can trust God, even if he tells you to do something crazy like build an ark. Let's be clear from Jesus himself. It's tough to hear. If the desire for riches is on the throne in your life, then Jesus isn't. And if that's you, that may be why you feel alone and lack peace in your life. The desire for things 
can take over from God, mammon becomes your God. So we'll go to 1 Timothy now. Chapter 6, verse 9. The people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruins and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people say, oh, sorry, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So is, is money evil? The answer is no. Is earning, saving, and investing and spending money evil? No. But loving it is. And it's serious stuff. Paul doesn't just say, hey, Timothy, be careful with money because you might stumble. Nope. He calls loving money the root of all kinds of evil. A lot of what we're struggling with in life may very well come back to love of money. It, it leads to many sorrows, Paul says. In fact, the image he used is pierced. It's like a dagger. It harms you and leaves you wounded. I'm not exaggerating. It's in the word. The problem with the desire for riches is that there is just never enough. It's like a drug addiction. Just a bit more and I'll be okay. Just a bit more and I'll be happy. Just a bit of this and that and I'll be satisfied. But it's a life in the pit of hell and we pay a heavy price. So now that we've talked at length about this spirit of mammon, I'm going to give you three powerful ways to conquer it, and I'm going to do it quickly. To conquer the spirit of mammon, number one is this. You've got to be content with what God has given you. 1 Timothy 6, we're going back just a couple of verses, actually, from where we were just before. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I know, we t is it really? Wouldn't I rather have great money, wealth? The word says great wealth comes in contentment with, with God. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. I think it was, uh, I was just reading Job this week in my devotions. He says, naked I come into this world, naked I'll, naked I'll leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. If you have enough food and clothing, be content. If you don't have enough food and clothing, by the way, I guess there's permission to not be content. And you can do what you have to do to get food and clothing. But I tell you, when you learn contentment, you really start to learn how to trust God. Contentment is the key to breaking the power of mammon in your life. The second thing you can do to break that power is to live a life of generosity. I'm going to do more of this one in two weeks' time. But there's no better way to, free, to be free of the desire than to give more. It could literally break that spirit. If you've got a spirit, I'm going to hold on, I'm going to hold on. You've got to give to break it. When you feel your heart pumping hard for more money or a new something or other that you don't need, then my advice is to do the opposite. Give instead. Go sponsor another child through compassion or give through world hope. Give a gift to a friend who is in need. Increase your support for missions or do something even more crazy. Give away something of value that's in your life to someone else who might need it. That'd break something. I'm not saying do anything reckless. But we do know that the disciples in the, in the early Acts church would sell things to support those in need. 
In other words, everything was God's to be used for his purpose. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I am saying that generous giving is the mark of Jesus as your Lord. And it just may dethrone the spirit of mammon that may have a, a dangerous foothold in your life. Now, the third way to conquer this spirit of mammon is this one, is to grow in the grace of gratitude. Everything we have is from God, and we should be grateful. I'm going to close, actually, I'm going to read a little bit from Robert Morris here. He says this, Over the years I observed a couple of other spirits that tend to run in the same circles, especially when it comes to wealth and giving. Just as a spirit of mammon will keep you from living the blessed life, so will a spirit of poverty or a spirit of pride. The spirit of pride says wealth comes from hard work. The spirit of poverty says wealth comes from the devil. The spirit of pride says you should be proud of what you have. The spirit of poverty says you should be ashamed of what you have. And they are both traps because they are things-focused rather than God-focused. Let me give you some real-world examples of how these spirits manifest themselves so that you can discern their attacks on your life. How do you respond when someone compliments you on your watch or your outfit? Pride says it's imported from Europe. Poverty says this old thing, I got it a target. The spirit of pride tries to make people think we paid more for things than we did. The spirit of poverty wants people to think we paid less. Poverty feels the need to justify purchases and possessions because it equates blessing with evil. And it causes you to say, I can't let you think I spent very much money on anything because that would mean I'm not spiritual. Do you see the trap? Let me say again, if you have been blessed by God because you've done things his way, stop feeling guilty. Don't be ashamed of having a heart God can bless. We must discern the presence of a spirit of pride or poverty in our lives. It's vital to our spiritual health and effectiveness in God's kingdom that those spirits be replaced with a heart of gratitude. So this is my third point here this morning I'm trying to make. Here's some tests to help you discern the difference. When you think about your situation in life, pride says, I deserve more. Poverty says, I should feel guilty. Gratitude says, thank you. Gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness that, has, that acknowledges God's provision. When someone says, wow, you have a nice house, pride says, we're going to build a bigger one. Poverty says, oh, I bought it at a foreclosure. <laughs> Gratitude says, thank you. The Lord has blessed us. When someone says, that's a nice suit, pride says, yeah, I got a tailor made. Poverty says, it was half price at Lowe's. Gratitude says... Thank you. When someone says, that's a nice car, pride says, I've got three. <laughs> we have three at the moment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, poverty says, oh, it's a company car. <laughs> and gratitude says, thank you. Pride wants people to think we paid more. Poverty wants people to think we paid less. Gratitude doesn't care what people think. It only cares what God thinks. Grow in the grace of attitude, of gratitude. <laughs> Don't grow in the grace of attitude. <laughs> grow in the grace of gratitude and break that spirit of mammon. We need to ask ourselves, what do we need to conquer? Where do we need to grow? What needs our attention in this area? What do you need to confess? 
What do we need to pray for? If you want to know how to put some of this in practice, two weeks' time, I'm going to go further in, in that direction. But as we finish today, I want, I want us just to examine our hearts and take, take us back to the beginning. If your heart, your desire is for riches, Jesus says it's not going to be for God. It's not going to be for him. So don't ignore this. Put God first. Break the rule of mammon in your life. Desire to be rich in love and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll really know what it means to be blessed, church. Let's pray together. God, this morning, uh, I admit, God, I was a little nervous preaching these messages on money because um, no one likes to be told what to do with the money you've given us, me included. And yet, God, you have a blessing for us when we follow your principles, not a, not a blessing of riches, a blessed life, though, of, of um, contentment and satisfaction in you as we trust you more, God. And I want to pray this morning, Lord, for all of us here across the whole auditorium. Help us, Lord, to put you first. And Lord, if there is um, like a, a spirit of mammon, it's a funny word, I've said it a hundred times this morning, but Lord, if that spirit exists anywhere in our hearts, I'm praying through your Holy Spirit that you break it this morning, that it be done with, that it be cast away, and we replace it, Lord. We replace it with your Holy Spirit and the fruits that come from your Holy Spirit. A desire for more of you, God. That's what we focus on, more of you and less of us. I do thank you, Lord. We do live in a country where um, it's comfortable here in many ways, Father. And so I just want to say thank you. You know, that, that spirit of gratitude, we just say thank you, Lord. And we know many of our brothers and sisters around the world um, have it tougher than we do, and we pray for them this morning, God, that they also um, will um, have their, their heart's desire focused on you. Focused on you. In some ways, Lord, maybe... Um, this sounds funny, but maybe it's just a, tough, a little bit harder when we have the, the wealth around us, you know. And we do need to break that desire. More of you, Lord. More of you, we pray.